Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Good morning, Scotty and Rebecca. Scotty and I are in the same house, but we are in different rooms to optimize recording. Scotty is my roommate. He is the second roommate I've had to appear on the podcast. Yes, Scotty! Evelyn Grace Kosak. Um, But (laughs) this is... This is sort of an impromptu pod that we're doing, which is, but it's actually something that we've talked about having like as a discussion on the show before. Scotty is new to ballet. He um, just saw his first ballet for the last, his first ballet last year. It was Copeland Dance episodes. So we just wanted to get an idea of kind of the perceptions a new ballet goer has going in and then how that shifts and maybe what the ballet world needs to be working on from someone who is just a total novice (laughs) you know what i mean but like how like what what the world can be doing to grab you and how Uh your perceptions have changed since you've been seeing the ballet but first scotty can you tell us the story about how you almost became a ballet great i almost was the most famous ballet dancer in the world um i you know when i was a kid maybe like five years old my first exposure to ballet was the Macaulay Culkin Nutcracker, yes, uh, VHS tape. Um, I think that? I saw it on on TV. <laughs> right, I'm too young for that. Um, and I, VHS tape. Uh, I think I saw it on TV. Um, I just became obsessed with it. Um, maybe because I had a crush on Macaulay Culkin, uh, but. It, I sort of became obsessed with ballet. I started collecting Nutcrackers after this. It was a, it was very weird. Um, I had a lot of friends, as you can tell. And uh, basically, I I decided that my first dream was going to be I was going to be a ballet dancer. I was going to go to ballet class. So I was this, you know, young, didn't know it at the time, gay kid, uh, gay boy. who was like, I'm going to go to the ballet. I'm going to 
start doing ballet. Um, and I had my parents take me, I had them buy me ballet shoes. Um, and I grew up, this is probably in either Georgia or Virginia. So not really the most, you know, military towns, not really the most liberal or sort of accepting, uh, kind of that closed minded thing, like girls do ballet. Um, so my parents were pretty supportive actually, and took me to, I think it was two classes and I was too scared. I freaked out. Um, I think the second one I went home crying because everyone was mean to me. Um, you know, when you're new, when you're new to something, especially when you're a kid, you don't realize you have to kind of push through to, and it's that it's hard, especially when you don't know what you're doing. Um, and all the other kids in the class had been doing it. So, um, I kind of chickened out, uh, but I still, (laughs) collected nutcrackers for years afterwards. Was that it? It was just the two classes? <laughs> that was it. It was just the two classes. So I think, you know, maybe if I'd stuck to it, um, you know, who knows what would have happened. But I still have, you know, in the back of my head, I still have respect for the art form. I know how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me does wonder, like, down a different path, uh, how things would have been. Um but so yeah. when we're talking about like what the ballet world can do to grab new dance goers, I think number one thing is be nice to people in class. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, th- these are like, I was five or six years old. I was so young. Aww, it's like, yeah. it- it's really, it's really not for the faint of heart to try anything new, you know, anything I would have done. This is not ballet specific, but, yeah. um, you know, I think. I think I probably could have just stuck with it and tried harder or something. That's so sweet. I am a little surprised that the teachers wouldn't have um, tried to get you to continue as a boy in the early nineties. You know, you know what? Maybe uh, you mean you mean two thousands early. Sorry, I mean early two thousand tens. Right? No, I, I think you know what? Honestly, I don't even remember. I should have asked my my mom about this, but I think they might have even called me. Uh, called my parents back and said like, oh, they want you to come back. Um, But I think I was just like too traumatized. I was, I was a fairly shy kid, to be honest. I wasn't, um, especially around new people. I wasn't really like out, very outgoing. Um, Yeah. But so weird. Like it's just, and you've stayed the same ever since. Exactly. Very introverted, uh, very (laughs) shy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, Scotty, although he does not, he did not continue to train. He does. Um, retain the title of world's deepest demi plie, which we like to show off. Because Scotty's often confused when, um, as a dancer, when we meet people, because he blends in so seamlessly with our dance group. So we're very good friends with James Whiteside. The the three of us often hang out together, and maybe with a couple of other dancers. But you know, Scotty blends right in. He never is. It's never like, oh, who's your rando? non-dancer friend it's like Sky's like yeah i've been doing this for years you want to see my demi plie but um and then you do that deep demi plie i i'm forced to do it often but i i will say (laughs) uh people do ask me when i'm hanging out with everyone um and i've sort of been thrust into this world oh were were you are you a dancer also and i just say no and i could see the look of disappointment on their face uh not not really but you know people people uh really love this ballet world and um know everyone as these dancers so i think that it's just the automatic assumption do you maybe you should just start saying yes and giving like autographs alongside james right come out of the theater with him and just be like yes didn't you see me right i i'm you know i've been uh i've been retired for years now but uh i don't know whatever (laughs) oh scotty also edits james's 
Whiteside's videos, some of them. And so you'll have seen his work uh, in the premiere of Ballerino Diner. And oh, yes. <laughs> like the other, my favorite video you guys ever did was the the Met one where um, James is just being super silly in his dressing room. Yes. What I mean, what were, like that's kind of an homage to um, what was that vo- YouTube voiceover video in like the late two thousands? Oh, you know, welcome like, to my home. Um, yeah, what? What's her name? Like, like Brenda something. It's not Brenda, but she's Brenda like, Dixon. Is Bre- it- oh, it is Brenda Dixon. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Brenda Dixon. Yeah, that's <laughs> welcome to my home. Yeah, that's what that video was giving. And the voiceover sure. was great, but the actual video was was just as insane. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, I did I did the AD visits uh, architectural digest parody video. Um, oh, but I it's love really, those yeah. too. Yeah, it's James's brainchild. It's just like finding the editing down because there's so much good content and trying to like pare it down to its purest form. But um, you know, it's been funny to see all the the videos and to be involved in those worlds and watching like tons of rehearsal or rehearsal videos from the veil dance festival um yeah i feel like i know like i met isabella boylston um a few weeks ago and it was the first time but i was like i feel like i already know you because i've seen so much and been exposed to so much of this so yeah right that's so great so for the people out there uh, let's talk about what you do for work in case anybody would like to hire you for your talents too i mean while we're here we might as well plug it you know (laughs) And then we'll get um, I, to more ballet stuff. Yeah, I do. Um, I my day job right now, I do graphic design, um, some animation, um, and then I'm studying 3D animation. But I um for what I've been doing for James, it's a, something I do sort of in my spare time is just video editing and overlays. I kind of help pe- different people. I have a few uh sort of freelance clients that I do social media content work for. So creating videos and animation and images for social media basically Um, content is king right now you are very in a high demand field (laughs) (laughs) not content is king it is true it's like you can never have you have to feed the beast constantly (laughs) content is rebecca king oh oh (laughs) oh Um, but (laughs) (laughs) but i like too that it's i like this path of art captured you young and then you've still kept up with an artistic side of your work. I think that's really an interesting through line as well. Ballet is important is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, you know, I've, I've always been an artist. I've always drawn. So it's been something I've been interested in for a long time. But I think um, there's obviously so much crossover uh, yeah. between the two worlds. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to see. So I, I definitely have uh, an appreciation for it that kind of goes through that art world, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I mean, when I took Scotty to his first ballet last year, Copeland Dance Episodes, I knew it wasn't just, you weren't going in with, you know, no, like a totally uneducated eye, just going in like blind. I knew that you would find things to relate to. And indeed, you did, you loved the ballet right away. And yeah, I loved all of your observations. I thought you immediately grasped things that like, that I would expect from a seasoned ballet goer. Um, but I'm curious, how, what was your thought going in? What were you expecting? And then how did that change after? We talked a little bit about this in person, but tell the audience mm-hmm. um, what your how how your initial impressions were met or not. Yeah, I guess I I guess I really just thought it was like sort of content 
contemporary ballet or mo- modern ballet or uh, contemporary dance. There we go. Uh, like a Martha Graham or Alvin Ailey. Mm. And then I thought, and then it was like story ballet. I didn't really know all the different in-betweens um, and, you know, so the history really have no idea about. Um, so going into Copeland, I think I was maybe expecting like a story ballet, maybe something more along those lines. Mm-hmm. I had I had no idea what the costumes were going to be like. Um, and I just found it so, for, obviously it's not a new ballet necessarily. Well, the, the choreography is, but the, the music, it just felt very fresh to me. It felt very exciting and emotional. Um, and I think obviously it's still telling stories. It's still storytelling in a different way. Um, it's not it's such an obvious uh, story ballet, tutu ballet. Is that what we're, yeah. like the, yeah. the joke? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe we could edit that out. No, uh, that's the right thing. <laughs> yeah, you know the you know the terminology. But you know, I thought the I thought the the dancing was amazing. I thought I was like tearing up at points of the show. Oh. Um, I really loved the Copeland. Uh, the music was was gorgeous and very American. Um, I think that's something that I wasn't expecting. If that makes sense, you yeah. know, we're used to ballets sort of being this kind of European thing um that's just what were my thoughts going into it and then leaving i was like wow i really want to see another one um yay that's so cool yeah and then the next thing you saw was was a tutu ballet like a romantic tutu ballet um so then seeing something that maybe fit your impressions and your idea of ballet prior to seeing it what was what did you think about that what did you think was that like oh yeah this is what i expected and that exists and that's there, but Copeland is more my jam. You know, I think they're just very different. I, I, I appreciate both. I think I have seen a lot of theater. I've seen a lot of, you know, I think, I think theater feels more accessible for a lot of people. I think Broadway feels more accessible musicals. People want to see more or they're used to even more than just, you know, straight plays. But I think, um, I, I have an appreciation for both. And I think there's sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, and I, the next show that I saw was Giselle uh, mm-hmm. with James, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I accidentally sat in the, they had to like rush me in because I got there late. They had, they accidentally like sat me in the orchestra just to like have me seated. Yeah. So I saw the first act in the orchestra. I was like super close and sitting next to these people who were like, who the heck are you? Get out of here. Um, <laughs> and it was it was just amazing. I think I, you know, we know the sort of some of the stories, Swan Lake and things. And I know sure. Giselle, I didn't really know the full story of Giselle, but I I wasn't expecting to be so dark, especially, of mm-hmm. course, we know the second, if if you know, obviously you guys know ballet t- uh, a lot, but um, the second part of it, it was just like, wow, this is getting really crazy and dark and just really beautiful. Um mm-hmm. And the athleticism behind it. I know that some of those things, I was like, geez, like, how are they f- physically doing it? Um, and then I also got to sit next to our uh, fellow Miami City Ballet person, Amir. So he was sort of oh. like, kind of whispering in my ear a little bit during the show and like, oh. uh, kind of ex- like, ex- just briefly explaining things. So it, it's been a nice way to go to the ballet with someone who knows and they're a little more experienced to kind of give me a little bit of insight. Of course, we're not talking the whole time, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I always find it more 
maybe not more fun, but more interesting to watch a performance when you know someone that's up mm-hmm. there because you feel like more emotionally invested. So I wonder like for you, the first time you went, you didn't really know anyone. So, you know, it was just a different experience than maybe seeing James and Giselle. How did that like kind of play into you feeling a little more connected to the performance maybe? Well, it was kind of fun because knowing James and mm-hmm. like for months before I saw the show, you know, you know, he has a very fun personality and he's very like hammy, if you will. Yeah. Um, and in the best way, um, yeah. he's very silly and fun. So to see him being so expressive on stage, especially that first act where he's like kind of it's more of that kind of panto vibe. Mm-hmm. Um was really fun to see and like it's like oh i i know him like i know this person and then seeing him be so fierce in the second part of the ballet where he's like you know really giving it um was so exciting to see so it's just like kind of rooting for that person i can imagine how you guys feel when you've been in these casts with other people or you know these people personally like it's got to feel so good to see them like killing it and yeah yeah i'm curious then what because you did have a, definitely you had favorites in Copeland mm-hmm. uh, in your first viewing and, and later on when I've taken you to see other things too. So what makes you gravitate towards a dancer when you don't know them? Like what I remember after Copeland, you just thought Chun was really beautiful and he had mm-hmm. a, a quality that you found imminently watchable. But what is it about Chun or any other dancer? Like when you're looking at a sea of new people and you don't necessarily have a grasp on the technique or something, what's making you respond to these artists? Hmm. I think it's, I know it's, I wish I could call more people out by name um, that I could, that I could think of, but I think um, it's like, to me, it's sort of the combination of all the above, like all of the, the different things and sort of that balance and that kind of, that thing, I don't know. It's that thing that makes you want to watch someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a combination of the athleticism behind it uh, and also the expression um, and how they express themselves. And I think connect with the dance in a way that this is someone who has no technical terms. So I'm trying. I like try this that. is why this is the, that's the point of that's the, the point. It's a, yeah, yeah. We're, we're learning. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's just like the, the way that they connect with the dance, and I think the the whatever the performance is whatever they're supposed to be giving i think it's whether they're connecting with it it's whether they're you know and i i feel like i was really gravitated towards certain people that were just showing that i mean everybody everybody does an incredible job i couldn't even imagine the amount of work and discipline that it takes to do all of this yeah but um i think that there were just some people you know there's always some stand-up people and everyone has their favorite dancers yeah. or whatever um and the things that they're drawn to but i think it to me it's that combination of the connection with the dance the emotive expression the you know it's it it's all the above do you know what i'm thinking because i went to the see miami city ballet this weekend and so i was thinking about this and for me and i'm wondering if this is kind of what you're also thinking is that sometimes there's just someone who has the joy of dance that you just feel like you're like they look like they're having the best time and they just love every second of what they're doing and then that like i connect with that does that is that also i, I just no, feel like as an audience member it just makes you feel good you know yeah i think that it's just somebody who's like it's that connection with what they're doing. The, the, yeah, exactly. It's it's something about I. It's like when you're watching a singer or uh, listening to a singer. Um, when you like, they hit that moment where they're sort of in their 
like they're like channeling the divine or something. That's yeah. sort of how it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, this was a thought I had um to bring up because I took you to see an all balancing program. Yes, yes. And it was Serenade, Orpheus, and Thinkman Variations. And I was convinced that Serenade would be the ballet you loved most of all. But you came away very attached to Orpheus, which I thought was fascinating because Orpheus is sort of more a niche piece. It's not often done. Um, and it's it's combined with what my experience last night. I, so I saw this ballet, Liebes Lederwalzer, which is um, mm. a beautiful, beautiful ballet. And it, it doesn't have a story, but it has beautiful sets and costumes. It's very evocative of late 19th century Austria, I guess. Um, and it's something that like the audience, I feel like can, can grasp a little bit. Like if you're, if you're not, if you're not a well-versed ballet girly, as we say, and then it opened with four temperaments, which is a masterpiece, like, you know, universally understood to be one of the best works of the 20th century, but it's leotard and tights. And the audience really, even though Liebes leader is a far less known work. Um, I felt like the audience today, I was shocked, but they, they loved Liebes Leader. Mm. And it, because also in the 60s, it was famously like people were not into it. It was like a, you had to be, you know, it was sort of like a nerd's ballet, I guess. Like, you know, someone, a scholar would be like, oh my God, this is a masterpiece. This right. is his best right. work. But then, you know, the audiences, I mean, Bountrian famously said, so there's a break in the middle. They start out in character shoes and they switch to point shoes. And people, and Lincoln, Kirsten, and Santa said to him, look at how many people are leaving George. And he said, well, look at how many people are staying. So crazy. Because people would leave in the middle of the ballet. But anyway, so I, this is making me think, this is very long-winded. But my point being that I think that audiences of today, maybe ballets become even more elitist. So you want like a little bit of something to hold on to that makes it feel accessible to you. Like just looking at steps alone can be scary maybe mm -hmm. like you said like serenade like you thought it was beautiful but it was not like orpheus you had something to immediately attach to and you didn't have to feel like it was over your head kind of yeah i think i think the thing with orpheus as well is um i first of all it's the noguchi i think it's a set design and the costume design that he did and i just became familiar with noguchi last summer um mm -hmm before seeing like right before seeing the Balanchine program. So um, I was just drawn to the, it just felt very fresh and different. It's, I actually looked this up. It's was in the late forties um, mm -hmm. that it premiered. So in my yeah. head, I was like, this feels very new or very current or mm -hmm. at least like the latest or earliest, the seven sixties, seventies. So it felt very before it's time in a way. And I think, to me, it just felt kind of refreshing in a way. I don't know. Maybe that's what part of what drew me to it as well. Mm -hmm. um. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, 
they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, I think kind no. of also, Scotty, like you were saying that some people you know, people can view like musical theater or Broadway as much more accessible. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like in my mind, I'm thinking it's because there's a story that's pretty clear because mm -hmm. they're speaking and singing and you can kind of follow along. And I think sometimes you can go to the ballet and you might feel as a new ballet watcher that like you're not getting it or like, mm -hmm. am I supposed to be understanding something? And I feel silly because I don't. But I think mm -hmm. sometimes there is just like Serenata's dance for the sake of dance. And so you mm -hmm. can just enjoy it as it is. And I think sometimes that do you feel that that could be intimidating for a new dance goer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I, I this this is like a whole other conversation, probably. But it's I, I do. I know that. Ballet to kind of sell tickets, maybe or to. Yeah, to maybe to sell tickets, it's like you have to go with the ones that people know and people thousand percent and people want to that they know will sell tickets. But it's like mm -hmm. things like for new ballet goers, I wonder if shows like Orpheus or the one that you saw last night, if people saw them, it would if it would change their perception. Even, even Copeland dance episodes, if it would change their perception of ba what ballet is, that it's not just story ballet. Um, mm -hmm. but it's interesting because I feel like though certain of those ballets are that might connect with new people um maybe aren't the ones that are because they're not as known are the ones that maybe aren't done as often mm -hmm. um yeah. but i agree with you rebecca i think that um maybe it can be scary for people to not know if there's no story or if it's just about the dance steps like oh i don't really know the technicality of this i don't know what this is but to me it's about the it's about the emotion behind it it's not it's like even if there's even if there's no story or you don't understand the story mm -hmm. you're still seeing this like incredible art form, you know, and it's really such a pure thing. You know, it's the body doing, it's just, a, it's just bodies, you know, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, an observation you made that I really enjoyed because it's just, this is why it's, it's fun to talk to someone who's smart, but experiencing ballet for, for the first time, because it's all things that I would just, we would never consider. Right. Mm -hmm. So Scotty made the point that, he, you know, you almost felt uncomfortable by how um, similar everyone ha looks in Serenade. Everyone's in the same costume and they all have upswept hair in the French twist. And he's like, I mean, the men are always going to look different because their hair is just always going to be different from one another, mm -hmm. you know? And I mm -hmm. thought that was an interesting, interesting. point. Um, and I and I was just like, okay, well, how would I think about this i mean serenade is supposed to be a sisterhood we're meant to all be similar and i also pointed out like i was like the line of the neck is something you want to see so that's often why unless you're making a choice like it's right. hair down it's a hair down ballet because we want that look but otherwise you're trying to see as much of the body as possible but i did think that was interesting that inherently women have a little bit less um individuality because of just the way that we're dressed that's wild but then when they take their hair down, that's I have always thought about like, oh, how different they look because generally there's different hair lengths and whatever. But I never like put it together like that because then it you can really tell the th three ballerinas at the end. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely intentional, right? I think that's yeah. how it's always been, um, especially for some of the more classic ballets. Uh, and then when they do take their hair down, it's like, she's having a mental break. She's uh, she's about to die. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I guess there's a connection between Serenade and Giselle there. I didn't even think of that really, but yeah. We talked with Alistair about that, right? Didn't we? I don't know. Maybe about the hair specifically. There were some, there are some parallels that Alistair was telling us. Yeah. But maybe, yeah, yeah, it is. Scotty Mm -hmm. out here dropping knowledge on us. (laughs) And then Scotty, you did say, because the fourth movement has um, shades of narrative and you found that more, I don't know, not relatable, but something that you could anchor yourself to a little bit more other than just like, here are, um, you know, 30 women, not 30, it's 20, 20 women that all look the same in the same costume. And it's like, it's architectural, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. what, right. what I'm, you know, is, am I missing something or am I just meant to look at it like as like, you know, geometry and beauty in that way? Well, okay. You know, there's a bouncing quote that uh, I love that maybe is helpful, insightful for this, but um, wait, I, now I'm, I don't even know what it is, <laughs> but it's something along the lines of, you know, someone's asking like, why isn't there a story? Like, and he says something along the lines of like, would you ask a rose why it is the way it is or why it's beautiful? Like you just appreciate its beauty. You just look at it and you go, there's a rose. You know, you're right. not like, what's your story, girl? <laughs> so yeah. I you, do... Right. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it, even one of your favorite directors, Hitchcock, is like, it doesn't matter what the story is. It's like, how does it make the audience feel? That's mm-hmm. was his big point. He was like, I don't care about the story as much as making people feel something. Um, See? It's maybe not the same thing, but... No, it (laughs) is. But I think that's... It's like this intimidation. I don't know. Like, even at the ballet this weekend, like, I was watching a new work and I was like, I don't know what the story is. And I felt, like, almost insecure about it. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just, you know, Mm -hmm. just appreciate it for what it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I so I understand. Okay, the other question I was wondering is, have you had a chance yet to see the same ballet with different casts? Because like my husband, when he started coming to the ballet all the time, I remember he he would find that interesting to see like one person and like his favorite is always like he saw Jeanette Delgado do Sugar Plum and he said he cried like he didn't cry at our wedding, but we cried when we saw <laughs> Jeanette do Sugar Plum. So but and of course, he saw many Nutcrackers. So he always found that interesting, but again, there's that like personal connection too. So have you had a chance to do that just yet? First of all, I just want to say the fact that you did it, you missed an opportunity with husband to not slur. Husband. 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 Thank you. I want to say that really quick. Um, But uh, I haven't really, but I did see when um, Michael, I I visited Nashville when Michael was staging um, rodeo rabbit. You're the oh, sorry. oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, you're oh the my rabbit. God, how dare you get my staging? Yeah, turn this up. off. Um, <laughs> I saw You're the Rabbit and mm-hmm. I saw the Nashville um, ballet. ballet uh, <laughs> my brain. <laughs> the Nashville Ballet perform it. Um, I just watched a rehearsal, so I didn't actually get to see the full thing. But um, I was like, I think I watched two casts do it, but I had also seen that same program. It, that was also in Copeland Dance episodes, right? I'm not making this up. No. When did you? Okay. Oh, because you I saw, saw Year of the City Rabbit. Ballet also, I yeah. saw Year of the Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. R- Rodeo is a part of Copeland. That's what I just did in Dresden. I know it's hard to keep straight. Rodeo is a part of Copeland, which you've seen. Oh, you must have seen Rodeo and Year of the Rabbit together. 
No. No. <laughs> you've seen Rodeo because you've seen Copeland. You've never seen one of my stagings of Rodeo because I only did it in Dresden. But, but you're I saw the Year of the Rabbit. It yeah. right? Yeah. Year of the Rabbit you've... I saw with City Ballet. No, you haven't seen that yet. It's going this season though. So Nashville was the first time I saw Year yes. of the Rabbit. Yes. Maybe it's because we watch videos yeah. at home. Yeah. Yeah. But I had seen I had I love it. <laughs> I'd seen it before. I definitely yeah. have seen some part of it before, or at least mm-hmm. the music felt familiar. Um well and, you like Sufjan. So I oh, think yeah, I maybe do. I probably Sufjan Stevens yeah, the composer. Big Sufjan fan. And that's another that's another thing. I was like, I didn't know he composed for ballets. I didn't know that that was something that was like these are things as a new ballet person that I'm like, wow, I would be more interested if I knew, you know all of this stuff um right. so i think it is great to have this intro to the world and have somebody who knows things and like that there's so much more to you know than than contemporary dance and tutu ballet mm-hmm. um but i saw them perform first of all i saw multiple casts i think two or three casts perform um and i was like it was just really interesting to see how the dynamic sort of changes how each dancer puts their own sort of little spin on it how their um technique how their ex- you know expression informs each character because year of the rabbit does have sort of those like char- you know that was like there's yeah. there's the bad guy um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love that oh, we I were doing yeah scotty was like oh this is the bad guy right i was like scotty <laughs> because it has like um, the in the in the year of the rabbit section of year of the rabbit it's pretty like dark or more strident music. Um, it's like, oh yeah, this is the bad guy. I, I loved that, I love but that. it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. We um, were like, we were, I was like, couple number one, couple number two, or you know, whatever. That's what we um, do a lot of times too, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and it was really interesting to see, and I was like getting emo. I think I got emotional at different parts each time because mm-hmm. some of the dancers in the show and Nashville Ballet was so fantastic. Um, uh, some of the dancers at different parts of the show in different roles, yeah. it just felt very emotional. We're really just connecting and really just, really just giving it. And I think everybody could feel mm-hmm. it in the room. Like the people who are not currently rehearsing were watching and like, you could feel the energy in the room of the same, um, of that same company that they were like feeling the same feelings, you know, it was mm-hmm. like a palpable feeling. And this is just rehearsal. This is just in a studio with like, yeah. you know, well, so this is another thing that so you're obviously getting a very unique experience because, you know, Michael, you're able to go and sit and see these rehearsals, which is a totally different experience. But I think this um, illustrates the importance of things like outreach programs where different companies will open up rehearsals or donors are allowed to come in, that sort of thing. So what ex- what was that experience like to see the dancers working? Because my guess is you probably the music stopped and Michael went and gave corrections and you saw some of that kind of work behind the scenes how did that like make you appreciate it a little differently it's well first of all michael's great um and i it's something it's so funny i've like seen videos of michael as a kid who uh uh like staging carmen in his like house basically in his living room he was carmen um uh (laughs) putting it on (laughs) putting it on himself as a kid so it was interesting to see him like giving the feedback in a way that felt um, and I'm, I come from like a swimming background as well. So like I, I've been in that sort of, it's not the same thing, but I've, that I've been like coached before yeah, and like no, that's the same. given point pointers on my technique or whatever else. And so I, I thought he did in a really amazing way, uh, that made the dancers feel empowered, that made them feel like, uh, you know, 
motivated to do it again or you know to do it to do it better everyone felt very excited to be there it, it was cool to see people who were sort of newer in the cast so, um get a new opportunity to do mm-hmm. to do this show yeah. um and it was so hard everyone was working so hard they were like doing a dance before we even got there and then there was just like hours and hours and then it was like every so often you'd get like all right let's take a five minute break but i was like i need a 30 minute break oh, and i'm just was... sitting here yeah um, i think we did three runs that day oh wow um so some people yeah i was like if you're in if you're in all three you know i guess pick pick one to take you to see it <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness um, now I'm thinking like, this is so funny because Scotty like has only been, he's been coming to the ballet now for less than a year, but he's going to visit me in LA when I'm doing staging a ballet. Oh, nice. So like now Scotty's going to be like, you know, like I really appreciate that Justin did this more romantic side of things versus the, you know, like the intellectual clarity of the, you know. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I sounded that intelligent. He's going to know every ballet. That's oh. so good. I love it. And I, I just want to, it's making me think a little bit and I don't mean to like, I don't know. I think that this makes me feel good to hear you talking about how kind of like an inside perspective makes you feel more connected to it and more interested in it. I hope that with this podcast, that's kind of something we're offering too, because like getting to know the dancers a little better makes you feel a different appreciation, um, kind of understanding what the dancers are doing. So I hope that that also can kind of offer this experience. If you don't have a Michael Sean Breeden to take you to the ballet, maybe we can help a little bit to give an experience to new ballet goers. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it can definitely be intimidating, I'm sure for a lot of new people um, and scary and, or, or seem, you know, so antiquated that, oh, I couldn't possibly go and like really enjoy it. Or why would I want to see that? Um, and I think that something I've learned in the last like year or so of really being thrust into this world is I, I um, there's so much there. There's so much, you know, newness and freshness and excitement and emotion. Um, it's, it's been really enjoyable. I'm like excited to see more. I feel way more cultured. I feel, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been great to be a part of. I love so. that. <laughs> well, we'll be taking you to the ballet shortly. I'm sure. Oh, well, actually, LA is coming up. That's in less than a month, so you'll be seeing some a new ballet very soon. And I'm, I'm hoping to see. I think I think uh, James is doing Swan Lake, and I'm like, I haven't seen. I haven't seen that yeah. yet. Yeah. So that's one. Of course, I have to see. I, yeah. I believe though with Kate. Yeah, yeah. Kate Herlin. Yes, I was just gonna <gasps> say. Yeah, where where Herlin stands. You'll get out. to see those fuetes with the the owl head. Yeah, yeah. I I I. That's one I want to see because it's like it's Swan Lake. I have to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we can talk about Swan Lake versus Giselle. We can get (laughs) into that next time we have you on the pod. But I also hope that this encourages people to take a friend to the ballet, take a friend to go see dance, because you never know when you get might get a new ballet stand. You yeah, know. I'm I'm definitely a new fan. I definitely am like a refreshed fan, if you will. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. Thank you guys for talking to me too. I know I I don't know a ton, but um, it's nice to just talk casually and have fun. This is so yeah. fun. We'll have you back on for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Scotty. <laughs> Thanks, Scotty. Hey, thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> Conversations on Dance is part of the ACAST Creator Network. For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.